On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. <laughs> I'm not sure what the f*** this is. I'm about to find out. This is Talk and Audio. How's it going, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Talk and Audio podcast. Matt Robinson with you in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. Uh, just me today, and um, gotta tell you, it's also just me with no beer today. Uh, it's getting a little old. Uh, still no power here in the TCA studio. We are uh, we're eight days into that at this point. Uh, so what's going to happen here in a couple minutes is I'm going to throw you to some stuff that I recorded earlier in the week when, uh, frankly, my mood was still a little better and uh, was still feeling a little more optimistic but where this was going. And, and honestly, I just expected that, uh, you know, when you're sitting here with the lights off and, uh, and nothing else to do, might as well try and record something and get something out there. And then when, you know, the power came back, you'd be able to upload it and get it out to you. But, uh, that isn't materialized yet. Uh, so a little more energy, I think in the, uh, the recording coming at you here in just a few minutes. But before we get to that, I just wanted to kind of explain where things are at here in case you didn't catch our episode with, uh, Arden's Welling earlier in the week. Uh, it was a huge storm here in Ottawa last Saturday and, uh, wiped out power for a pile of the city and, uh, and most of it is back now, uh, except for my little slice of, of town, which, uh, which still is not back. Uh, I think there was something like, I think they said 130,000 households or something like that, that initially went down. I think they're down to like six or 7,000 left and, uh, I just happened to be one of the lucky ones. So uh, that's why Rob is not here. Also with no power means no internet. So can't connect to him remotely right now. And, uh, so yeah, just me and, uh, had to, you know, it's, it's a bummer, right? You have to empty out your fridge and your freezer, just get rid of everything. Although, uh, we did manage to, to save the beer, um, at the time that I recorded earlier in the week that you're going to hear here in a couple minutes, I was drinking out of the, uh, the keg fridge, which was very warm. And a little foamy, uh, that was one of the things I asked the guys down at Vimy who provided the keg was, uh, you know, is the keg going to be okay? I'm going to be down enough groceries, but, uh, will the keg be okay? And I said, yeah, 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 it's, it'll be fine. It'll hold, it'll be a little foamy as it warms up, but, uh, but not too bad, but it's a stout and, uh, stouts are, are okay to be drank a little warmer. This was a little warmer than you'd like even a stout, but, uh, you know. It did pass. Everything else that we got built up here in the TCA studio fridge is, is very warm as well, you know? So, uh, 
So no beer, which is maybe part of the reason I'm a little cranky, a little fed up, right? Um, you know, just quickly, you're, you're sort of using Twitter as a as a, a lifeline is overstating it, but, you know, a way to get information and you kind of search out your neighborhood or, you know, some of the people who are supposed to be keeping you up to date. And, and as things went along through the week, if I'm being honest, I was probably being a little bit judgmental, but the number of people who were taking out their frustrations on the person running the social media account for Hydro Ottawa was just a bummer. And I even had to step in and and say something to a couple of them, which probably wasn't necessary. But again, you're sitting here in the dark board, so why not tangle with somebody? Because it's not like I was loving it either, but it just seemed unlikely to me that the 19-year-old intern in charge of their Twitter account was the person they were actually mad at. Uh, And I got to be honest, it's getting angrier and angrier in those Twitter threads right now as we're eight days into this. And um, while I still have not been bashing city officials and hydro uh, you know, officials, I'm less judgy of the people who are, if I'm being honest, uh, it, it's, it's just, it's getting old. And I do believe in the first few days they weren't able to communicate much. I believe them when they say that, that, uh, you know, it's, we're assessing the damage. We don't know how bad it is yet, but we're eight days in, they are replacing things. They do know now, or they, they maybe they don't have exactly, you know, by Monday at five o'clock, you'll be up or something like that, but they're able to say, in my opinion now, they should be able to say more, you know, if you're in this neighborhood, this is the problem. We have these three circuits. It usually takes about this and this, uh, this neighborhood we're waiting on pieces to come in. We've had to order. You're going to be a little bit longer. Like I think they've had long enough to assess and to just keep answering these questions with, well, that's our hope, you know, by the end of the day is our hope by the end of the weekend is our hope, whatever it might be. It's getting a bit much and, uh, people probably deserve a little bit more information than that. And, uh, and we'll see. Uh, I can tell you I've had about enough though. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's where we're at now. It has not been a good few days here if we're being honest, but, uh, uh, with that in mind, we'll, uh, we'll get you to some stuff where, uh, I guess I should mention in case you're new here, this doesn't seem like much fun, does it? I don't, this isn't all that much fun of a podcast if you're new around here. Uh, sorry about that, but uh, if you are, we're on uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Talking Audio. You can give us a follow there, and uh, and for the rest of you, keep an eye out an eye out there as we get power back or as we get a better handle on things. We'll be able to uh, we'll be able to give you a better idea then on when we'll get back on a more normal schedule. But uh, for now, it is what it is, and and this is all we got for you. So, uh, like I said, a couple of things that I had recorded earlier in the week that I'm going to send you to now that. Uh, you know, hopefully I haven't aged too badly. I wanted to get something out for Monday morning. That's what we do around here. As you can tell in my voice, I don't have a whole lot new to sell you right now, but uh, a couple pieces from earlier in the week that uh, hopefully will hold up well enough. And uh, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to that now. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about with Rob when we, uh, you know, I thought he was going to be in at the end of the long weekend. He'd been away for a couple of weeks and this was getting some attention, but not as much as I thought it might and that is this this soccer match between Canada and Iran that has now been canceled. And uh, for those of you who obviously aren't huge soccer fans, um, the story was essentially that uh, now that the Canadian men's team has qualified for the World Cup, they want to play a couple friendlies uh, over the course of the summer or fall to uh, to get ready and uh, and to play against some of the world's best teams. You know, they really only had to qualify out of their region, so they want to see some other competition. 
and they make this announcement that they have found a team who wants to come to Vancouver and, and play Canada in a friendly, and it's a good team. It's another World Cup team, and it is Iran. Uh, for those of you not familiar, for those of you not immediately having that kind of kick in for you as to why that's a problem, relations between Canada and Iran, not great right now. And um, that stems back to January of 2020, when the Iranian Revolutionary Guard shot down a Ukrainian flight that had over, I think the number was 55 Canadian citizens and 30 full-time Canadian residents on board, all of them dead, of course. Uh, I'm sure this story is ringing a bell now, although there's been enough disasters in the world since then that it, you, you're to be forgiven if it's, if it's slipped your mind. Um, but there's a lot of grieving families and there's a lot of people who want answers on that. And we never got it other than Iran just going, yeah, human error. And everything around that, if you recall, was that uh, Trump's government had ordered the assassination of a very high up military, uh, you know, kind of, you know, the top of the Iranian military who was basically like the Iranian vice president, you know, it, it, close enough. Uh, they order his assassination while he's in Iraq and they kill him. Iran's pretty pissed off, which is not to surprise anybody. They start lobbing rockets into American bases in Iraq to, as a way to strike back. So now, obviously, Iran is on high alert that anything in and out, you know, it might be a return fire from the Americans. We could be on the verge of war here, whatever's going on. In the meantime, this passenger jet takes off. It's a Ukrainian flight. It's well known to be, a, a, you know, one of the main ways that Canadians get to Iran uh, is to pass through Kiev and then on to Canada. Um, this is not an uncommon route for Canadians to be on. And uh, with the Ron on high alert, wondering what's flying around in their skies, they blow this fucking plane out of the sky, killing everyone on board. Kids, families, whatever. Uh, not good, obviously. And things have been pretty frosty ever since between Canada and Iran. And for, you know, for good reason. And, um, you know, human error, not a good enough fucking explanation for for killing these people so needless to say when canada has any country on earth i get it you want a, a country that's going to be participating in the world cup but any country on earth essentially would have been better than iran to invite to vancouver and and play in a friendly there's it's not a good relationship between the two nations right now and rightfully so the families of people who've never gotten the answers they wanted out of Iran uh, are pissed, as are people around them and, and lots of other people who just did not think this was in good taste. And so this kind of kicks up a bit of a shitstorm. Uh, up first here, I'm going to play, uh, obviously, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was asked about this when uh, he had heard that, uh, you know, this, had, this match was going to go ahead. Uh, he was asked for his opinion at a press conference. Here's what he had to say. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it wasn't a very good idea to invite the Iranian uh, soccer team here to Canada, uh, but that's something that, uh, that the organizers are going to have to explain. Okay, you know what? Pretty direct. Say what you want about Justin Trudeau. Some people love him, some people hate him, lots of people in the middle. He answered your question. I don't think it was a very good idea. Um, around that, they also asked, you know, would they issue visas for them to come? You know, he says that's a Canadian border services issue, which it is. Uh, but yeah, you know, legally, in theory, they are allowed to come here. Uh, I'm going to throw you to some audio. After Trudeau's comment, um, Soccer Canada was asked to issue a statement about what's happened here. Uh, Trudeau's comments. This is the 
this is the statement that Soccer Canada has released. At Canada Soccer, we believe in the power of sport and its ability to bring people from different backgrounds and political beliefs together for a common purpose. Iran is one of 32 participating member associations at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022, and Canada Soccer continues to follow all international protocols in staging this match. We're focused on preparations for our men's national team to compete on the world stage. Uh, thank you to OneSoccer.com, uh, and uh, that was it, the voice of Andy Petrillo uh, for the statement there. Okay. Come on, we didn't break any rules, is essentially what they're trying to tell you. They're another country who's going to play. We didn't break any rules. We're just trying to get ready for the tournament. Everybody chill out. Gross. Not a good reply. Not a good response. And it no one took it as a good response. Um, tons more outrage. Tons more uh, responses. Tons more um, thoughts that, uh, you know, certain sponsors might boycott. And you just don't need this right now. Forever, the Canadian men's team, if it got any attention, it got bad attention. And it was a bit of a laughing stock, and it was completely irrelevant. And over the last year, 18 months, or whatever it's been that they've gone through this qualifying process, they have caught the attention of this country with a, a young up-and-coming core, with you know an, enterti- uh, an entertaining style of play, with uh, young superstars. And this is the attention you draw after the excitement builds to, to get into the World Cup. You're like, yeah, we're inviting about the only country in the world that Canada really has a hate on for right now. Just a terrible misstep. And it's not even remotely surprising that people weren't happy about this. Uh, So pressure continues to build and we find out late last week. All right, all right, all right, we'll cancel it. And so they call the whole thing off. Now, that's probably the right move, but now you've stepped in shit for no reason and everybody's pissed at you and you've kind of spoiled this momentum that you were going through. And it's about to get expensive. Iranian officials start saying, well, that's a breach of contract and uh, we'll be suing you for about 10 million bucks for damage to our reputation as well as, you know, uprooting our calendar and the plans that we had made. Uh, There is also some talk that I guess it's part of most contracts. This wouldn't be unique to Canada, Iran, that if you're going to have one of these countries come in, maybe you would help pay for their travel, right? You're going to play them. Uh, It's beneficial that it's at home. And uh, the rumor going around is that it was about $400,000 that Canada Soccer was going to uh, to cut a check to the Iranian government for to, uh, to bring the soccer team. So not only are they coming, but you're paying them to come here. And it just gets worse and worse, right? Like, it's just a complete mess of a situation. And uh, it's now, yeah, $10 million bucks. I have no idea whether... They have a, a leg to stand on here, but the Iranians are saying, you know, you, you're you're politicizing this. And they're right about that. You are politicizing it, but sometimes there's no way around that. And that's the part that, that kind of boggles the mind here as to how Soccer Canada could have been so tone deaf to allow themselves to get put in this place and then to have to, you know, pull out and back out and... Uh, you know, on the soccer front, apparently the reason that, that Canada was interested in playing Iran, Iran is uh, ranked 21st in the world. Canada is ranked 38th in the world. So it certainly would be good competition as every game at the world cup will be, uh, 21st in the world. Like I said, for Iran, that is the top ranked Asian nation in the world. And there's talk that one of the reasons that Canada wanted to play Iran was Iran's style, Iran's approach, the way they play the game is very similar to Morocco, and Morocco is in Canada's group at the uh, at the World Cup. 
I don't know enough about soccer to know how similar they are stylistically. I don't know that it matters, but that's the justification that they were giving. Are those the only two teams in the world to play that style? Again, I don't know, but it seems unlikely to me. Uh, one of the reasons Iran was interested in playing Canada, aside from the politicize, the politicization they were doing of them. See, Canada's forgiven us. We're good. Don't worry about the fact that we murdered 80 Canadians. That's fine. It's They're over it. We're not over it and probably shouldn't be. But the reason, uh, aside from the international, you know, stage, um, is that they are in a group, the Iranians, that is, with the United Kingdom and the United States. And again, I'm not qualified to say whether or not this is true, but I guess the North American style, whether it be Canada or the U.S., has enough similarities that Iran thought it would be useful to play Canada as they prepare to play the United States at the World Cup. Again, same way Canada is looking at Iran as being similar to Morocco. Iran is looking at Canada as being similar enough to the United States that that might be a good tune-up, uh, not a bad team to play. So that's their justification. And the whole thing, you know, you're backing out of it now and it, it's, it's something that you're not going to carry on with. It just seems so unnecessary that you ever ended up here. And it makes you wonder, one of two things happened when they planned this. They either didn't think of this incident at all in the relationship that Canada currently has with Iran and just, you know, it didn't even dawn on them, which is not good, not self-aware at all in your place in the world right now. Or they did think about it and went, it's probably fine. Nobody's going to care. It's just soccer. And that's the gross part. I, might, I think I'm going to play this statement again from, from Soccer Canada. They, they're going out of their way to kind of tell everybody you're overreacting a bit. They're one of the other nations. They're part of the, the World Cup. You know, the, the spirit of sport that brings everyone together outside of politics. Let me play this again. At Canada Soccer, we believe in the power of sport and its ability to bring people from different backgrounds and political beliefs together for a common purpose. Iran is one of 32 participating member associations at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022, and Canada Soccer continues to follow all international protocols in staging this match. We're focused on preparations for our men's national team to compete on the world stage. So it's right there at the very beginning. It brings people together. Yeah, it's not gonna. And it didn't. This is a terrible fucking idea. So whether or not this is going to cost them 10 million, 10.4 million, 400 grand, I guess they hadn't paid it out yet, but they were on the hook to the whole thing just has a bad look. And it's a shame because Soccer Canada had done so many things correctly here in this, this road to qualify. Everyone was very excited and on board and they will be again, like people will get by this, especially now that it's not happening, but it just seems like a road you never had to go down in the first place. Let's touch on the Battle of Alberta and uh, the fact that it's it's over. Um, this is a shame. This is one of those things, uh, as you all know, I think, if you've been following us on social media, I haven't had much electricity around here, which means I haven't had much cable around here, which means I haven't seen anywhere near enough of the, uh, of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, this is the best time of year for hockey fans. Although, although, uh, you know, Often after the Leafs are knocked out, I have a bit of a hangover. Sometimes I miss the second round and come back around for the conference finals. I just need just need a little me time, right? Just need a little time away. Um, but this one with the Battle of Alberta, I wanted to watch this. I wanted to see as much of it as I could. And so I got to see a bit at the beginning, but uh, I got to see 
almost nothing towards the end. Uh, one game, I guess, game game four, I guess it was. I can't believe how quickly this is over. And I'm on record way earlier in the season, and it it was a crazy up and down year for the Oilers. They had an unbelievably good start. Then they went absolutely off a cliff and then, you know, steadied the ship, got it going and finished incredibly hot again. I still, I picked Calgary to win this series because I believed, and I think I still believe, that the Oilers, and I've used this term before and it's been thrown back in my face, rightfully so, on Twitter a couple times, are a horribly flawed team, a terribly constructed team. It doesn't appear to matter. They just smashed the Flames in five games. And I was blown away at how that went away. Obviously, I expected Calgary to win. I picked Calgary, uh, you know, in my my picks I do with my little buddy Lucas that are always on our Instagram page. Uh, he's seven years old and normally he cleans my clock. I got a good run on him this year. Um, I picked Calgary. And I just thought between Markstrom and that Daryl Sutter defensive style and everything that goes along with that, uh, Calgary, I thought it would be the long and, and, and tough series, but I thought Calgary would get it done. And from what I did see, whether it be in the limited games that I got to watch early on in the series or in some highlights I've seen, there was just n- no attempt at all being made to slow down the Oilers as they built up speed coming through the neutral zone. And they just smashed Calgary into a million pieces. And, and Markstrom, obviously not good enough. Um, There was some talk coming out of Vancouver when Markstrom left there that this is a guy that needs more rest than that. And, you know, if a traditional number one, if you can play him two, sit him one, play him two, sit him one, like that kind of thing, he'll be okay. But when he starts to get fatigued, it's going to come apart fast. And if you remember in that bubble in Markstrom's last year in Vancouver, by the end of it, Thatcher had taken the net. Uh, Thatcher. Thatcher Demko had taken the net. Um, So, you know, that was... He wasn't even the starter anymore in Vancouver when he left there. Uh, Calgary threw a pile of money at him, funnily enough. Edmonton tried to. They thought they had a deal. He ends up signing in uh, in Calgary. Um, but when you get to the playoffs, you're the guy. There is no off nights. There is no rest. And so he plays 62 regular season games, and then they need him to go every night in in the playoffs. And I don't know if it's fatigue or not, but he came apart fast in that Oilers series. And... And one of the things to keep in mind if you want to talk about fatigue is how little room for error he had in that Dallas series uh, in round one, right? Jake Ottinger is standing on his head. A bunch of those games are very low scoring. You've got to be focused. You've got to be zoned right in. You can't make a mistake. And you kind of exhale when you get through that. And wow, here comes the high-flying Oilers. That doesn't look anything like what you just saw with Dallas. Maybe you're fatigued and they got absolutely run over and and one of the criticisms, if you want to call it that, of the Oilers that I had earlier on in the season was, um, you know, anybody can win if your number one forward is putting up two or three points a night, but it's unreasonable to expect anybody to do that. And you saw it in the middle chunk of the season when McDavid stopped putting up two or three points a night, they really struggled. Well, he's back doing it again. And Dreisaitl on one leg is back doing it again. And so maybe maybe he can take them kicking and screaming through the playoffs uh, as this poorly constructed team. Maybe the team is a little better than I expected. I'm getting lots of messages, lots of tweets. 
hey, bet you miss Zach Hyman. Hey, bet it feels pretty stupid you didn't keep Zach Hyman. Look, I'm happy for Zach Hyman. I would have liked to have had Zach Hyman again this season. The problem was never that I thought he stunk or that he had gone off a cliff. It was that I was not ever willing to give that guy seven years. I still wouldn't be. I think the end of that contract is going to be awful. And the Leafs tried to get him to stay on a shorter term deal uh, or, or at least lower his cap hit and then stretch it out for longer. The guy had earned the right to get every penny he could and Edmonton was willing to give it to him. He's looked great. Uh, you know, thus far, and and I'm happy for him. But no, as a Leaf fan, yeah, there were moments this season you wished you had him, but you remember the circumstances, and it's it's not like that. Like, it's not that kind of world where you can do that. The other thing I think that is being rewritten a little bit is Evander Kane. And Evander Kane is a shithead, uh, but he's a very good hockey player. And so often, we're able to overlook the fact that he's a shithead. And there was never any question that most Oilers fans... We're going to get past the shithead part way faster than everybody else. When he's now playing for your team on a good contract and playing well, which he is because he's a very good, a very talented hockey player. It's easier to forget, right? And I don't know how realistic it is to expect that when your team scores, you don't cheer because you don't like the guy who scored. Like, I, I don't know what to do with that. Um, I, I don't remember the last time I had a guy like that on one of my favorite teams, probably Roberto Osuna with the Blue Jays, but he wasn't even given the chance to put us in that situation. As soon as they found out about it, uh, he was put on whatever they called it, administrative leave or whatever, and then punted out the fucking door. I don't know whether that was Blue Jays management or whether that was Rogers management who owns the Blue Jays. Rogers is a publicly traded company. They may have said there is no chance you're putting that guy back in our uniform. <laughs> Uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but that would be the closest I can remember right now. Look, that guy comes with a reputation of Andrew Kane, and there was never any doubt that he was a good hockey player, that he could contribute, or that putting him on a line with Connor McDavid might be absolutely deadly. I don't think anyone ever doubted that. But the rest of us don't have to forget the things he's done in his life, or the things that he's bringing with him as baggage, uh, the things that are still outstanding in his life that he's going to have to get sorted out. The rest of us, we don't have to cheer for that guy. We don't have to forget. And I get it that Oilers fans don't want to pick and choose between this goal we're excited about and this one we're not. It's a complicated thing. I don't know what I would do with it. But that guy sucks. And, you know, again, to have hit those sorts of tweets being thrown back at me and saying, see, see, look how good he is. Look how many goals he scored. I see that. I never believed he wouldn't score goals. That was never the point. Uh, the point is, He's a fucking asshole, and uh, I don't know that he deserves the love that he's getting or the credit that he's getting right now. And I know there are Oilers fans out there that are struggling with this, right? And it, it, it does make it complicated. You sit down and you watch sports because you want to forget about the bullshit in the real world, and then there it is right in front of you, right? So that sucks a little bit, and I, I do. I feel bad for, uh, for Oilers fans for having to, uh, to deal with that. All right. Uh, Hope you guys enjoyed that back here live on, uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I guess the, the only thing I would say before we wrap this up, uh, on Sunday, Jason Spezza announced his, uh, his retirement from the National Hockey League. Uh, he had played a couple seasons there for the Leafs to wind things down, all on league minimum deals. I had said a couple times late in the season I didn't know if he'd be back. 
And it was just sort of this, I don't think he, obviously he hadn't done anything wrong. Uh, He's loved in the room. He's about as good of a leader as you can have. But it was pretty clear they were going to want to change the mix. And that doesn't necessarily mean taking out positives. Like taking positive influences out of your locker room isn't necessarily a good idea. But there's some things they're going to need to do. They may want to change the look of that fourth line and things that it's capable of, and that was going to be tough for him. But I also thought just through the season, um, through much of the middle of the year, I didn't think he was playing very well. He looked, he was starting to look his age. He was hard, having a hard time keeping up. He was missing some opportunities. Uh, he got hot again in the last three weeks to a month of the season, and and hot being relative, right? Hot for for a fourth liner at his age. Um, and then he was fine in the playoffs, right? For his role, I thought he was fine and, and whatever. But there was just something that kind of felt like this is probably going to be it. And it might be, it might not be totally his decision. The Leafs may allow him to frame it as that. And that's the right way to handle that. Maybe it is. Maybe he decided I can't keep up anymore or I don't want to do this anymore. But, um, you know, maybe, maybe they kind of said to him, hey, I'm not sure we want to do this again, so how do you want to handle this? Uh, they also said that he is uh, is going to work with the team as as a member of the management group. I believe they called it special assistant to general manager Kyle Dubas, which I believe means you know he'll he'll probably learn under uh, you know that management group a little bit. It'll be I don't want to call it um, you know it'll be more than just kind of being there as a nice gesture. I believe he'll be there to learn, but I don't think he'll have a ton of responsibility right off the hop. But I thought uh, he made an interesting, like he was the first guy or one of the first guys to to do this in Toronto. Just go, I want to come home. I want to play. I'm willing to do it for cheap. And we've seen other guys try it since some with more success than others, right? Like some people are higher on Wayne Simmons than I am. I, I haven't, been particularly happy with how that's gone. The Joe Thornton one didn't go particularly well, in my opinion. But you did see Mark Giordano just sign two years at $800,000. And that guy, in my opinion, for at least this coming season, will be worth well more than that. Like, that's a hometown discount and in a big way. And and Spez is kind of the guy who laid out that, uh, you know, that blueprint here in Toronto that that if you want to come home. And um, just some of the things that... Uh, that he went through when he first came to Toronto. Remember Babcock was still coaching and he's, you know, they, he, he healthy scratched him in the home opener and I'll never forgive Babcock for that. It was such a shitty thing to do. You're talking about him not being good enough as a penalty killer yet. This was part of one of the things that people don't talk about anymore, but you, you know, when you talk about whether or not they should have let Babcock go, Babcock was openly undermining Kyle Dubas out in public. And that was one of the final straws, I think, was here's a guy who came home, still capable of playing, took league men to do it. Toronto guy with his kids in the stands and you decide, nah, I'm not going to play him. It was just such a shitty thing to do. And it was totally unnecessary. And I can't even remember the fucking nobody that ended up in the lineup ahead of him who was gone by the middle of the season. Um... You know, and and to keep your head down and just work through it and not become a distraction, not let it become a thing. The guy just deserves a ton of credit for that. And and so um, I did like that later on in the year, or maybe it was the next season, I can't even remember now. It was the next season when Keefe was at the helm and they're having the annual kids game, 
right? Uh, maybe it was the same year. I can't remember, but whatever it was, the, uh, the next generation game and it's an afternoon game. And, um, they put Spezza on the starting line with Matthews and, and Marner, I believe I could, it could have been with the Tavares line. It doesn't matter, but they put Spez in the starting lineup because they knew with it being the kids day as kids were there in the stands and they hadn't got to do that when he played his first game as a leaf because he'd been healthy scratched. And look, I understand you're in the winning business and the team isn't built around you anymore and isn't about making these moments uh, necessarily, but when you can do it and not hurt anything, like when it's a pretty easy thing to do, um, to just let them play that first shift with your top line and then move on like you were always going to. I think that stuff matters. And you've seen Keith do that in lots of guys' hometowns and stuff and, and just trying to show them, look, I'm aware of this. I get it. I know this is a big day for you. Um, I think that goes a long way. And it's not the only thing, uh, but I think that was something Babcock kind of missed, right? And, and it would have been an easy thing to kind of win guys over and make them want to compete for you. And I think towards the end there for Babcock, he, he just wasn't having it. He wasn't interested in doing any of that. So uh, lots of memories for, for Spezza as a Leaf. You know, he's starting fights against uh, against Columbus in that game five when he's trying to get the Leafs going to, to stay alive in the bubble. Um, I, I think it was game seven in that uh, all or nothing series in uh, one of the intermissions. He's standing up and he's passionately yelling at the team to get going. This year we heard talk. Uh, I think it was in game five, maybe before uh, the Leafs won that game, that he had said, you know, not good enough. We got to get going. They did come back and win that game. Obviously, they don't win the series, but the guy has made an impact on these young players. And I think it's cool that, uh, that he's going to stick around and he, he wants to be a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, even in a front office capacity. He's got lots of things that uh, that he can bring to the, to the organization um, moving forward. So... Uh, congratulations to him on a, a terrific career with the Ottawa Senators, Dallas Stars, and and Toronto Maple Leafs. He finishes, this is one of the bummers, uh, five points short of a 1,000. And this is where you start to look at lockouts and the pandemic, shortened seasons, and just another fun moment or landmark that was taken away from one of these guys and, f- and from us as fans, right? I don't think there was ever any question that that he was going to come back and play a full season just to try and get five points. I, I don't know that that was that important to him or, you know, important enough to sign up for 82 games to get five points. I have no idea, but I, I can't imagine. But it just sucks, right? When he was young, that 4 5 lockout hurt him uh, there in his, his very early years. Misses half a season with the 2012-2013 lockout. We have a, a pandemic shortened season there in... Uh, in 2020 and then a half season in 2021. And, uh, yeah. And even this year they had to healthy scratch him a couple times because he just wasn't able to keep up and he needed the rest. And maybe if you hadn't, he maybe would have found those points. You never know. But again, never made a peep about it. Never said a word when he was asked to sit out. And, uh, and so I, I, you know, ton of credit to that guy, heck of a career. And, uh, it was a lot of fun to see him skating around in a Maple Leaf uniform. One of my favorite memories of, uh, of uh, him as a Leaf was, um, you know, when uh, when Thornton signed in Toronto, always had wore number nineteen throughout his entire career. Well, so it's Betsa, and Tavares was uh, was ninety one, but Jumbo is is older than Spezza in theory. When an a older guy, or a vet, more established guy comes to your team, a rookie or a young guy offers him the the number, and so I can remember Spets kind of joking like, "Oh, I." 
maybe I have to give Jumbo my number, even though like I'm 38 years old. I'm one of the oldest guys in the league. Of course, Jumbo goes, no, I'm not taking anybody's number. That's Spets's number. It's, it's fine. But it was just kind of a funny exchange between the two of them. there, talking about that this 38 year old guy, there's only like four forwards in the league that are older than Spets. And one of them is now, uh, now on his team and you may have to give up his number was, was just kind of amusing. Right. So look, we'll wind this one down here. Um, if you're curious, still no power. Sorry that these uh, live parts haven't had a ton of energy to them. Like I said, I'm just tired and, and kind of beat up, but uh, you know, hope you had a little fun with the stuff in the middle and at least we get managed to get something out for you. And when we get some power back, we will, uh, we'll work on this a little bit more. We'll see where things are going to go from here. Uh, it's just all up in the air right now, right? Like I, I never would have imagined that eight days in we'd still have no electricity. I, I honestly, I can't believe it, but that's where we are. So we're on Twitter and Instagram at Talking Audio. Give us a follow there. Rob will be back soon. Uh, we'll see you all in the next one. Thanks for listening. My name's Matt Robinson. We'll catch you next time. What the hell is that? It's number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy? Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app and find us on social media at Tall Can Audio. 